Oh yeah. Football and other F words after dark. Hear that click. And here I got me a little glass of wine that I got at Bluegrass Beverages. Nobilo, Savion Blanc. Hands down. And I've I've been a big proponent of Nobilo. First off, Savion Blanc's best white wine out there. But Nobilo on the radar for a while. It's it's now even like somehow remarkably even cheaper than what it was. And you can get it in the even in Publix if you're shopping there, but you should go get it bluegrass beverages. And it is the best Savion Blanc that you can get. Mike, what are you drinking on that you popped up open here? I have an Alberto, which is a uh, Mexican lager from a local uh, brewery here in Austin. Uh, I like it. High sign. I like it. I like it. It's very good. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things today. We got stuff about like Dillard apparently needing the center to come and help. Uh, Everyone (laughs) can catch balls except for Traylon Burks. And Josh Wiley can catch balls from everyone except for Millie Quillis. Uh, We got the... Devon a-, a chain or a I don't I don't really know how you pronounce his last name uh, and CJ2K debate that has everybody in a tizzy ridiculous. Uh, and how the NFL has to declare a best team every week, which is even more ridiculous. Um, and then, of course, it's Colts hate week. And that is the best time because I while I do still like Anthony Richardson as a prospect. I think everybody has gone crazy town with their analysis of Anthony Richardson. And uh, there's people already saying he's the second best quarterback in the AFC South. I mean, listen, CJ, not not to take away anything from CJ Stroud or Anthony Richardson, as this podcast may derail into bad mouthing (laughs) him at certain points in time, they have both done remarkable things, but let's slow our roll on everything. That is all, all Colts, all Texans at the moment. Because it's bound to regress. Uh, Stoney is at, I don't know if I'm allowed to say where he's at, but he's at a new establishment downtown, courtesy of his wife, letting him come along with her to an event. And it's open bar, and he is five gin and tonics deep. Um, let's get weird, Stoney. Let's get weird. <laughs> We're getting weird. Let's get freaky. Uh, Bluegrass Beverages, Hendersonville, Tennessee. Um, the, I'm going to play a quick clip. For those that are at home, and I am not going to edit this for the people on the podcast. You're just going to have to listen to this weird clip. Uh, the reason I'm not editing it is because it's been a long fucking day. <laughs> and, I, and as soon as this thing is posted, I am going to bed and to start another long fucking day. But this video, as we transition to a football show on here, apparently, um, is from the Bluegrass Beverages uh, Bourbon and Tequila Tasting. Uh, that Braden went to. We're showing it off. It was that Bluegrass Beverages, who is our sponsor. Sinker's Beverages is the sister store of Bluegrass Beverages, but our sponsor, Bluegrass Beverages, was a free tequila and free bourbon tasting. Here is what you missed if you do not go to Hendersonville, Tennessee, 555 East Main Street on last Saturday. So this is the Bluegrass 73. This is the barrel pick for Bluegrass Beverages. You can only get it here. 125.6 proof. You won't, light you, up. you won't know that. Yeah, it'll light you up. Let's you think it, it will. Let's see how tough you are. Let's 
So to commemorate uh, Bluegrass's 50th anniversary, they picked a special single barrel from Southern Collective. So this is a Kentucky lead bourbon from O.C. Tyler, so five years of age, 120 So there's a limited edition, only 50, 50 bottles to commemorate the 50th anniversary, and this is it's super tasty. It's the weeded bourbon is going to be smooth. Let's give it a try. See that? There we go. All right. Cheers. This is Blue Note out of Memphis, Tennessee. This is Crossroads. This is probably my favorite out of the line. This is finished in toasted French oak barrels. Secondary finishing from Central Loire Valley in France. Unapproved. Come to Bluegrass to check it out. This is uncut, unfiltered bluegrass. Number seven whiskey of the world. From whiskey advocate last year. Come by Bluegrass to check it out. Look at that. There we go. Cheers. This is Wild Rookie's Rare Reef uh, Barrel Strength Bourbon. It is a blend of um, six, eight, and 12-year bourbons. It's got some meat, but it doesn't overwhelm. Cheers. Look at that. There we go. There you go, Bluegrass Beverages, Hendersonville, Tennessee. If you're watching on Twitter or on X, whatever you want to call it, because apparently the bank is coming after Elon and taking their shares back is the newest, latest rumor. So maybe Twitter again soon, which is, would be really great for everybody involved. Uh, come join the 440 Sports YouTube page so you could join in on the discussion because we're going to have a lot to talk about. Mike... The Tennessee Titans did what we all thought they would do and whipped up on the Bengals at home, 27-3. to um, I obviously picked the Titans to win, but in a close one, you picked them to lose because you hate them. Um, <laughs> I think I picked them to score like nine points. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where, where, I want to, everybody's questions on this whole thing is like, which one is the real one? And listen, we did it on a football show. Like which one is the real Titans or what's the lie and what's the truth of the Titans? But I'm going to ask you a different question. This offense has seen its peaks and valleys, ups and downs. It's seen different people struggle every week. It's seen Andre Dillard struggle every week and it has seen explosives go crazy. It has seen the quarterback get hit. It has seen everything in the first four weeks that I feel like any offense could go through. <laughs> like, I don't, outside of like a major injury, which should technically, I guess you could say, Traylon Burks getting injured uh, and Peter Skronsky missing games, maybe those are the injuries. But I want to ask you a question. I want to take us back to week one and kind of take us through these next four weeks or the first four weeks. But back in week one, there are questions about Ryan Tannehill, questions about the velocity that he may have, questions about his hesitation in the pocket, his pocket awareness, pocket presence, and all that. Week two, some concerns, but that was mainly all on the offensive line. Burks looked great and everything like that. Tim Kelly still looked good from week one to week two. Cleveland Browns, everything is a disaster. And then everything just clicks on all sides of the ball. But I want to ask you this. It's kind of struck me lately that maybe this offense is closer to the Chargers and to the Bengals game than it is to the Saints and Cleveland game because they're still growing and still learning a new system. And because Ryan Tannehill did not play in the preseason, whether you want to take that for what it is or not, he came out looking rusty week one. but maybe that 
this is just how it's going to be for a little bit, but down the stretch, this could be a formidable, not Miami Dolphins, not Buffalo Bills, not San Francisco 49ers, but an offense that can actually complement and carry the burden and sharing the burden with the defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think there's like some reasonable uh, expectation that it's going to get better as the season goes on with it being a new offense and with an, a lot of new pieces too, right? Like the offensive line, not to give them an excuse for how bad they've played at times, um, but they're literally five guys getting to know each other right now with a new position coach too. Um, so it's not like this group. Really more than that when you kind of think of like the people getting injured and, you know, yeah, you know, and, and you know, Raidens has to meet new people and, and then, you yeah. know, all this kind of stuff. And now Nicholas Petit Frere might be taking over for Dillard. We, we can talk about that in a little bit, but yeah, um, it's, uh, I mean, it's reasonable to expect that they would play better as the season goes on and as they get more comfortable playing next to each other. Now, I, you know, it's not going to help. Like get, being buddies with uh, Dylan Radins or Peter Skaronsky is not going to help Andre Dillard have a better anchor. Uh, so that that is not going to be fixed, I don't think. Not uh, true. You're leaving out the buddy system. Well, true, true. Yeah, yeah. The Aaron Brewer buddy system, where they just peel him off on play action passes to help the left I mean, tackle. I, I know I said this on a football show, which is Mondays and Thursdays at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, but. I there was a play because someone had tweeted at you and PK and someone else and you, they said it and you're like, kind of like is that happening? I'm like, dude, I'm not even joking. I literally just saw Aaron Brewer just randomly out of place and I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, <laughs> why why is he there? And I think because he did that, PFF misgraded and gave him some uh, stuff that maybe they shouldn't have. Maybe yeah, he had a comically low uh, score this week on BFF, and I didn't think he was, he was bad. Played, I mean, he's played two fucking spots. I, I, I watched the I watched the whole game back on the all twenty two, and I was like, yeah, I barely noticed Brewer. Like, yeah, I thought he was fine. Damn, I hate him. Okay, but, we're not getting down the wall or hole. But anyway, but no, I, I do think there's reason to believe it'll get about. And look, like Traylon Burks, as much as everyone's down on him right now, I, I think him returning does help this offense. I think he'll play better than than what we saw him play. Obviously, terrible game in week three. Um, I, I think he'll be better. I, I just think he's too talented not to be. Do you think uh, he has that hog in him? I don't know. It shows up sometimes, right? Yeah, like right. Big Boy Jair Alexander and stuff like that. And when he went up and made the tough catch in the end zone against the Eagles and the tough catch over the middle against the Bengals, like he's made plays before where I like, I think personality wise, maybe he's not like, he's not like that off the field, but on the field, I really do think he's got some, some, some of that hog in him, as you said. Yeah. Uh, because yeah I, I, we've seen it we've seen it in flash like i know it's easy like when he drops a few passes and doesn't play well that like all of a sudden everything he does is shit and he's got terrible attitude and all this stuff do, um, do you like your wide receivers to smile i don't i don't give a shit if they smile or not i mean <laughs> so some of these guys are miserable <laughs> and they just tear you up every sunday so i i don't know um but no i think i think burke's um too talented to play as poorly as he did against Brown. Now, like, I don't know what his injury issue is. The fact that he isn't on IR right now tells me that they don't think it's a long-term, long-term deal. Um, but, you know, maybe they're just being extra precautious with him. If that, it, it, maybe it could be a re-injury of, of 
or an aggravation of the issue that he suffered against the Vikings and uh, training camp. So yeah, I, I don't know what to make of the injury, but I think Burks is going to bounce back. And when he does, he'll help this team. Um, and fingers crossed, as, man, <laughs> as I wrote about this week, you know, if these tight ends are actually emerging, that's going to help this team a lot too. Well, well, all their PFF grades suck, so I, they're not going to be emerging. I think you're you're crazy, even though the film tells you otherwise. You're crazy for thinking that these tight ends are going to bounce back <laughs> like you wrote at Pockarski.com. Um, I've been trying to get an article out for like two days, uh, but big boy, real life job, it keeps getting in the way. But Tim Kelly's cooking, and to me, this all goes back to that. He's using motion. And Ryan Tannehill's motion uh, or EPA in the motion, his stats in the motion are exponentially better when they use it. And he's also using motion for running plays, which has been very helpful. But here's what I want to get to. Because talking about this Bengals game, talking about everybody's thing was play action. Oh, well, they used to play action three times in a row or they're using a lot of play action. Well, they didn't really use a lot of more play action with, than what they have in the past in games that they've been successful in. But what is confusing me, confounding me, I'm befuddled, is why is Ryan Tannehill so much worse when play action is being used this year? There are two games where play, when play action is used that he's been terrible. And I don't understand because that's, that's like un, unfounded. That is like unheard of. That is like a good take. From Sal, like, that's how rare it is. It it's definitely um, odd, and and I don't know if maybe it's some of it is that they don't have the right personnel in there for for that to be successful, um, or that they're blocking it, you know, poorly. Perhaps I mean that that's part of it too. I'd imagine in some cases, but I do think the motion thing is is interesting because this game. It really jumped out at me. They were using that cheap motion that that's been all the tacos. Uh, NFL Twitter. Well, well, the, let me the, say something. The, I was yeah, told by Kyle Brandt. I was told, told by Kyle Brandt. This is nothing creative or yeah, something. Whatever he ridiculous. said. I, I usually like Kyle Brandt, but that was terrible. Um, yeah, the, the cheap motion thing is is kind of taking over the league, and every team is picking it up. But the Titans used it a lot in this game. Like, oh, okay, so describe what cheap motion is. It's basically like right right before the snap rather than, um, you know, an a offensive player usually lined up in a, a slot wide receiver spot, just kind of motion sideways. So you're kind of getting a running start to the play, but you're running obviously parallel to the line of scrimmage because you have to be uh, for it to be legal. But it still gives you that running start because you're able to kind of make this like quick motion and then turn it upfield. Um, which helps guys get off the ball a little bit quicker. And also it makes the defense move and recalibrate all their assignments real quick. Because, you know, if you're working, you know, in man or, or zone for that matter, and you all of a sudden have, you know, two guys switch positions on you right as the ball's being snapped, that throws some different things into the mix as far as, you know, are right, we switching? Are we passing this off? You know, that's stuff that can be coordinated pre-snap, obviously, in, in, in meeting rooms throughout the week. But, um, it's just one more thing for defenders to have to think about. It's something else that they could screw up, you know, and you end up with a wide open guy. But uh, the Titans use it a bunch. They use it with Tajay Spears. They used it with, um, I know uh, Nick Westbrook-Akine had a couple snaps of that. I think Hopkins had a couple. They they used it a bunch in this game, and it was pretty effective for them too. They, they've been using motion 
at the snap. So not like, like obviously you send guys in motion pre-snap that, that pretty much every team does at this point, you know, man zone indicator, like all that stuff. We've, we've talked about it before. Um, but the motion at the snap is really taken off under Tim Kelly for the Titans. I, I think they're, they're not like, I mean, they're not the dolphins, right? Like the dolphins are using right. it almost every snap. Um, but they are among the like top 10 or so in the league and, and using that, uh, which is different for the Titans. That's not been part of their, um, offense in the past. So it's been exciting to see them integrate some of those new concepts on the fly, really. Cause I feel like it's grown over the last four four weeks. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, I feel like Tim Kelly's just a modern play caller that may be hampered a little bit by the offensive line, probably a lot by the offensive line, to be honest with you. But you're talking about a guy that has drawn up three missed touchdown plays and those would have been explosive plays more than likely in week one. Plus, if he would have thrown, if Tina Hill would have thrown a chig instead of Chris Moore, there's another explosive, explosive play. But they are top 10 in explosive play rate right now. And they're using it. They're, they're being explosive. And this is kind of something I want to get into next. They're being explosive with Nick Westbrook Akine, DeAndre Hopkins, and Chris Moore, who yeah. outside of Chris Moore, the other two aren't really known for their big explosive plays, but and it's not like Chris Moore is known as like Tyreek Hill or anything. <laughs> no, no, either, you know? no. uh, he's the he's the uh, the closest thing I've seen to Tyreek Hill since Tyreek Hill <laughs> or whatever. But anyway, the the whole thing is just it's incredible to watch because now, and I talked about this on a football show. Even though the DeAndre Hopkins to from Ryan Tannehill, DeAndre Hopkins, that touchdown that was open because DeAndre Hopkins has a little hitch in his giddy up at some point. Yeah, I noticed. I don't that know too. what happened there. I don't. It looked I, like he just stumbled a little bit. You I know, didn't know during... if he stumbled or maybe because I know he's been battling some kind of injury. I don't know if that just kind of like kicked in or something. But that now teams have to watch that, right? Like now it's not just DeAndre Hopkins on third down. Now it's maybe DeAndre Hopkins deep. Maybe it's not just the intermediates and. It's something that Tim Kelly is showing, I feel like, every week to prepare the next team for. Okay, well, you thought you were going to have to prepare for only this, but now you're going to have to prepare for this. You thought you were going to have to prepare for Derrick Henry, but now you have to prepare for Derrick Henry, Tajay Spears, and sometimes them both in the backfield at the same time. And now you're going to have to prepare for Jeffrey Simmons when he comes out. What are they going to do there? Now you have to worry about DeAndre Hopkins over here and, and down deep. Oh, well, you're going to cover DeAndre Hopkins because you're not going to respect Nick Westbrook-Kine, shame on you because apparently year or year four for NWI is like the most magical season ever. And then Chris Moore's having a renaissance career. And hey, guess what? We're getting Kyle Phillips back. And hey, guess what? Yeah, Traylon Burks is going to be back. <laughs> like, Oh, and now Josh Wiley is going down the seam catching passes and then, oh, they're still chig. To me, it's just like, I look at this team and the narratives coming out from this game, um, and I think it's not just Jared Stillman, in my opinion. There have been several radio personalities I've taken. He's just the loudest and most annoying. But <laughs> a PK put it best today on Robbie and Rexford. I think there's a lot of people that are just prisoners of any moment or every moment. I think is what he said, prisoners of every moment. And there are people now who think, well, you know, Traylon Burks, you know, who are you going to take off the field for Traylon Burks? 
Who are you going to take off the field for Kyle Phillips? Well, both of the guys that we just named, NWI and Chris Moore, have been admirable and done great, and I really appreciate what they've done. But Kyle Phillips and and Traylon Burks are way more talented than them. Defenses actually care about their presence. You know what that does? Opens up other parts of the offense. I just think it's... I'm not saying that what NWI and Chris Moore isn't notable or they don't deserve to have the snaps that they will get. I'm just saying this is what a pro-style spread offense looks like. And right now, the Tennessee Titans only did three wide receiver sets last week. They didn't even do anything with four or five, which is the first game they haven't done. They haven't done any. But that's just because Mason, they don't want Mason Kinsey to see the field on offensive snaps. Like, they just fucking refuse. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. No. I just think it's just always funny to me because earlier this year, people thought Mason Kinsey was going to make the active roster and this and that. And I'm like, dude, they just don't want to give him any snaps. But now you can't. And now you are able to have five wide receivers. You can have and put ties. If you listen to this, you put DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, Chris Moore, and NWI all out there that's a pretty good five wide receiver set right and this team could likely do it they may put Traylon Burks in the backfield you know and then put him out in motion either way your wide receiver one through three when everybody's healthy is always been and always will be DeAndre Hopkins Traylon Burks Kyle Phillips agree or disagree 100% 100% agree. I mean, they're the three most talented receivers on the field. And look, I mean, like, I agree. Like, I've loved what Chris Moore has done uh, for this team this year. I've loved what Nick Westbrook-Akina has done this year. Um, both have played really well when when called upon, but that doesn't mean that they are better than those players now, right? Like, we, we saw them you know, struggle at times, or we saw Nick Westbrook-Akina struggle in, in the same role you know, when magnified over a long period of time, like, right. Like he, he, he can have good games. Like we've seen that before we saw him, you know, break up for what 110 yards and two touchdowns last year against the Broncos. But over long periods of time, you're going to get more of the three catches for, you know, 20 yards than you are the six catches for 67 yards or whatever, you know? So we know that about him. We know, we also know that Traylon Burks offers a vertical element. That Nick Westbrook-Kine just doesn't. Um, or frankly, I mean, he, he, Chris Moore has had some success down the field, but Chris Moore isn't the deep threat that, that Traylon Burks is. So it is, there's going to be roles for all five of those guys when everyone's healthy, I think, um, because the Titans are going to want to rotate guys. They're going to want to keep guys fresh. They have the ability to keep guys fresh. And yes, you may want to get Nick Westbrook-Kine in there on some early down stuff to be able to take advantage of the fact that he blocks his ass off. And I know Tyson fans, how, how you feel about wide receivers blocking, um, but he does a great job with it. And, and it's a good time to get Traylon Burks off the field for a blow or to get DeAndre Hopkins, you know, some time to, to rest. And so you can use him on third downs as, as often as they're using him as the you know number one converter of third downs uh, among wide receivers in the league right now. So it's, there's going to be roles for all these guys. I don't think we have to be like too caught up in like, oh, well, these guys got sent to the bench and now we don't ever see them again. They're going to play. They're going to have their their share of snaps. It's not going to be as many as what they've got right now, but that's fine because the, these other guys deserve snaps too. So it, it becomes a good problem to have 
at some point when you have talented guys and you've got dependable guys and and you've got five of them that you can kind of rotate in there. That's a nice situation that the Titans really haven't had like maybe ever. I, I'd have to go way, way back to find a wide receiver room that I felt this confident in um, as a group, at least. Well, it, it's funny because, you know, before DeAndre Hopkins, this was like, everybody's mad. Oh, I can't believe you fucking signed Nick Whisper-Kakina. You signed Kev- Chris Moore. What are you doing? You can't sign these guys. You can't sign them. What are you doing? And uh, you know they're going to play a lot of snaps, and they're not going to do anything with it. DeAndre Hopkins is signed. Oh, well, you know, everybody is uh, in the right spots. Everything's okay in the world. Traylon Burks, you know, goes gets injured. Kyle Phillips gets injured. NWI and Chris Moore string together two very uh, NWI is streamed to uh, almost four pretty good games together. Uh, there was He's one game solid, where he didn't. Very consistent. Yeah. But everybody's now everybody's like, well, you don't really need Traylon Burks. You don't really need Kyle Phillips. You got <laughs> you got NWI Chris Moore. This like, is crazy. This is very prisoner of the moment. Yeah, it's very like, oh, well, the last game I saw, you know, this guy yeah. did good. So now, oh, now, well, he needs now to play he's all the time. best. So, yeah. now, so now common sense goes out the window. Um, look, NW, there's very, there's a lot bigger and longer list of names of, of, of undrafted free agent wide receivers that have strung together 500 yards in a season or a, a couple of times. You know, you got your uh, Jermaine Curse, you know, Doug Baldwin, uh, Wes Welker. You have a bunch. There's there's tons of them. I think like was it uh, Rod um, Smith was an undrafted free agent. There, there are Drew Bennett. Yeah, Drew Bennett. There are undrafted free agents that can eventually turn into something. And I'm not saying that NWI can't be something more than what he has been. But Burks is clearly a more gifted, talented player. And obviously, Kyle Phillips is a more gifted, talented player in a different way that benefits this team. So I want to talk about Kyle Phillips because unlike anybody else that has ever been injured for this team, where everybody's like, well, he's just injured, you know, don't worry about it. He's injured. He'll be back and he'll be fine. We'll give him 13,000 chances because, you know, he's just he's just hurt. You know, yeah, Marcus Mariota. <laughs> yeah. Well, Traylon Burks. I mean, you, you got two guys in the same draft class that can't stay healthy. And there's a lot more people giving the benefit of the doubt to Traylon Burks than Kyle Phillips. But Kyle Phillips provides something. I don't want him returning punts. I do not think he's he gives you anything different than Mason Kinsey or Kiaris Jackson. Like, see, I I actually disagree there. I, I think Kyle because, Phillips. Is I mean, a well, he gives you turnovers, so yeah, he gives you no, turnovers. I, I mean, so. I, we've talked about the turnover thing. And uh, like, he yes, he also I, he also muffed one today, by the way, at practice. So, yeah, uh, well, maybe maybe we'll <laughs> we'll see we'll see if that keeps up. But either way, I do think he gives you something as a punt returner that those guys don't. And look, like I, what. I, I, I think he's a better return man. Like, is he though? Because he, you, yeah, I, I, to me, what, okay, what's more beneficial for the team in his role? It's wide receiver, right? So, shouldn't you I limit mean, his exposure to freak accidents or freak plays that can yeah. happen all the time on special teams? To me, let someone else be the can. And listen, we make fun of Macy Kidsey a lot on this show. I thought he did pretty well, you know, in his first fine. time out. And I mean, he 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 made good decisions. He went out to go, you know, he made a couple of different plays, got one called back. 
I mean, I get that Kyle Phillips is talented when the ball's in his hands, but sometimes he doesn't let the ball come into his hands as a punt returner. Look, and then he if, gets, and then he's opening himself up to get hit. He makes a couple questionable decisions sometimes, especially in this preseason. I don't know. I don't know if it's worth if it. He, if he keeps putting the ball on the ground, for sure, get him out of there. Like that's, I think he's on his last strike there. That 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 just can't happen anymore. Um, but to me, like he's still a, a way more dynamic um, return man than Mason Kinsey uh, is or ever will be. Kyrus Jackson, I think, when he gets healthy. Maybe you could give me the argument that, you know, you want Kyrus Jackson back there because you do take the hits off of uh, Phillips and allow him to to be more of, you know, your third down specialist that, that you know, I think that role is going to be critical because, like, look, DeAndre Hopkins has been feasting on third downs, but eventually defenses are going to say, all right, enough of that shit. We're not going to let 10 touch the ball on third downs. We're going to bracket him. Uh, if you want to throw it, yeah. You know, if you want to throw it, Chig, go for it. But we're we're gonna we're gonna take away Hopkins, and I think Phillips is your guy that is best suited to get open quickly because we know the Titans' offensive line is not gonna be able to hold up for more than two point five seconds. Um, so you got to have someone who can get open quickly and catch the football. And I think Kyle Phillips is the next best guy on the team behind DeAndre Hopkins at doing that. And I think that will be a role that he will enter immediately. I think he will see a lot of snaps on third down, and I think that will be an important part of this offense moving well, forward. Well, his average depth of catch in that New York Giants game was was uh, eight, I think, eight yards, which mm-hmm. is, hey, ironically enough, is typically where they're at on third downs. It's usually third and eight. So that's yeah. second and eight. But you're talking about a guy, I don't think he's just, a lot of people slot him in as a third down slot specialist the way this team has been playing this year there is an expanded role for the third wide receiver we we said it last week heading into this uh heading into this game they were playing 77.8 percent 11 personnel that's three wide receivers that seems like a lot of snaps available for kyle phillips to find his way on the field and not just be a third down specialist i think that's a uh I think that's a simple way of looking at the impact Kyle Phillips can bring for this team, especially because, like you said, the offensive line still has its issues and they need explosive playmakers that can get. And when we when I say explosive, I should say short area explosiveness. He's not going to like just go crazy and just start, you know, turn in Tyree kill and go, you know, 50 yards down the field if he gets like a five yard pass. But he's dependable, reliable. He can get open. He's a safety valve for this team. So let's talk about the offensive line because I want to get into the defense here quickly. I I feel like the stats, the uh, charting stats were very generous for both sides of the ball in terms of pressures allowed. Um, I felt like the Tennessee Titans defensive line got more pressure than what it showed. I felt like the... Uh, Titans offensive line got more pressures than when it showed, but I but it, I also think that Ryan Tannehill maneuvered around with his with the pressure a lot better than he has at all this year. There were times where he was moving and planting his feet and throwing. There's times he decided to run because he just knew it was just like chaos. Uh, I thought he did a lot better maneuvering the pocket. I want to talk about one thing, and this will lead us into our offensive line discussion. This is from Nick Fucks 
on Twitter <laughs> or on YouTube. Nick Fuck says, do you think Tannehill's improved cadence at the line of scrimmage helps the offensive line? Or is that strictly for hopes of offsides? I I believe this particular game and anytime that you see him really like hammer home a cadence, he is trying to get someone to come off offsides. And he's one yeah. of the best at it, if I'm not he's mistaken. Yeah, he's, he's good so at good at it. So to me, I think that's where we're at on that. But what do you truly think of the offensive line's performance in this Bengals game? I would be hesitant to say C plus, but I felt it was just NFL average. Yeah. And I feel like that's <clears throat> kind of like best case scenario. Yeah, I thought it was a C, which, you know, was a, a huge step up in the right direction. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I I definitely think the Andre Dillard, you know, they they only gave him credit for one pressure in this game. That that's just not that's not possible. Um, based on what I really I dreaded sharing that because you know, I do my my I just regurgitate what PFF puts out yeah. as far as their advanced stats. And I, I'm looking at it and I go, man, I really don't want to put this out. Uh, oh, I know, I know it's it's Fuchs. I just want to call you Nick Fuchs. Um, <laughs> it is after dark yeah, episodes. So. It is after dark. Uh, I know it's Nick Fuchs. Um, but the um, I felt like I was looking at that, and I looked at the pressures like, man, PFF advanced stats, a lot of the times when I'm typing those that stuff out, I'm like, <clears throat> that matches what I saw. Yeah. This did not for, no. for me. And I was like, there is no way that Andre Dillard just allowed one pressure. And there's no way Jeffrey Simmons only had five pressures, right? Like Jeffrey Simmons was in Joe Burrow's lap all game. I felt like I, I, I felt like there was drives where he might've had five pressures. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was an odd, odd game from a PFS standpoint, but yeah, I didn't think Dillard was very good. Um, now some of his problems were run blocking in this game. Oh my God, they were terrible, good, but he had some like complete misses. Um, where there he, didn't, times like, he was just standing around the and the run is to his side and he's like upfield and he should be blocking for the runner. He's kind of like standing there. Like oh. the play where he randomly wandered uh, like 10 yards downfield <laughs> yes! for no reason. And it, and it was a uh, play action pass play. It was a beautiful throw by Tannehill dropped <laughs> yeah. it right in the bucket to Nick Westbrook Aquino, which would have put him up at like 80 something yards. And we could have put him in the hall of fame. Um, but uh, it was a great play that ends up getting negated because like, Andre Dillard's just fucking around. And there were people who could have like touched and engaged, right? Like, cause isn't that the rule you can engage? Yeah. He he wasn't within like five yards. Anybody. He was just running around. I don't ask. He's, I I don't, I don't think he's very good. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, I think they've got to get him replaced. Um, I will say this too. Chris Hubbard. I think Titans fans are like, overly enamored with Chris Hubbard right now because he was he's definitely not been as bad as what most people thought he was going to be and right. I guess maybe that's kind of buying him some some credit here um but I also don't think he's been good like he, he gave he's given up like I think three sacks in the last two games according to PFF charting and I actually do agree with PFF this time on that um which is not good that's 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 bad um especially he's when getting you're getting so a bunch much of help, help. Yeah, yeah, so he they're having to help him out a lot, which is part of why Andre Dillard looks so bad because he's not getting any help, um, or at least he he wasn't in this game or uh, most of the games besides the Browns. They really they did adjust in the Browns game and gave him more help, um, which didn't didn't help as it turns out. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, I don't. I think Hubbard. Like a lot of people are like, well, you got to keep Hubbard in the starting lineup. Eh, do you? Like, that's uh, that's kind of how I felt. And you're not a big NPF guy. Like you, no. you don't like NPF. But I'm gonna say something. <clears throat> I feel like what I saw from NPF. There's there's a lot of context that goes into it. However, if you even just look at the blown block stats by SIS, which I've come to kind of like really appreciate these blown block stats because I feel like those line up better with what you see on tape. Chris Hubbard so far has allowed more blown blocks, not only total, I mean, this is a blown block rate, not just blown block percent, or this is a blown block percentage because I feel like that's that raw stats, just the, the rate stats. Yeah. Not only just total in the run and in the pass, and he's gotten more help than what we saw NPF get last year. So my 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 big thing has been, I don't know if NPF is going to make a second year leap. I'm I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that he can or that he could because of his pedigree. Yeah, but I do think that he is a better option than Hubbard. Solely because, and well, besides besides the hypothetical that we can't really don't have a tangible grasp of yet, but I do think because you can allow if you're going to keep Dillard at left tackle, you can allow more help to be at Dillard and not have to have help at MPF and probably get the same result. Which means that sure you're going to give up a sack, you're going to give us some pressures, but at least you're freeing up the offense and the offensive personnel to do something other than hold Chris Hubbard's hand. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I do think I, I think NBF has to get in the lineup somewhere. I mean, the, the tackle play has been bad enough that. Like, and for me, it has nothing to do with him help. being a third round draft pick or anything like that. I just, I think, just think he's the top. He's one of the five best. I th- yeah, I definitely think he's more talented than either. Dillard or Hubbard, frankly. I mean, it, all right. I'm it, glad that you're with me. MPF year two. Here we are. I, I think MPF's issue and the issue I've got with him is not talent. Cause I think if you watch him play, like he's got the power, he's got the foot mobility, he's able to like anchor against power. Like he, he has a lot of really good attributes. I think he just goes into like autopilot mode sometimes, sometimes, and it's just not. Like he's just going through the motions and like, and maybe that's part of him being a rookie and and trying to overthink or, you know, having the play swimming around in his head so much that he's not looking at, you know, the, the guy he's supposed to block close enough to notice that he's about to jump inside and, you know, make another tackle for a loss, which happened like once a game last year um, and drove me insane. But I I think he's talented enough, so I'm I'm certainly open to the idea that like he could have that second year leap, um, and I think he's he's better than any of these guys, including Raidens, for what it's worth. Like I think he's a better, like more talented player than Raidens is, um, and I think Raidens is more talented than Dillard or Hubbard. So I I mean, I just think you've got to try to get your more talented guys in there at some point and hope that they can stick. Um, obviously they've got to earn it on the practice field, all that, all that stuff. And, and frankly, Petit Frere's preseason wasn't like super (laughs) encouraging. Um, but you know, I think we just have to see it. Like we've got to try something else here at this point. But you also say that was anybody's preseason encouraging in Chicago? Oh, well, no. On that offensive line? I mean, it was a disaster. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, they've got to try something else at, at this point. They really do. Um, and they've got some options. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I just, you've got to get Dillard out of the game to me. Like yeah. that's step one, see if that fixes it. And then if Hubbard needs to go to, then Hubbard needs to go to like, I mean, it is, what you, it is, is, is Raiden's, this is from Z Dean is Raiden's just a backup guard now, or can he play tackle? I think he can play tackle. Um, yeah, I don't just, know if they more view of a, him as a starting tackle or not. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's the, the thing, question. like, right? It's like more of will he play tackle than yeah. can he play tackle? Yeah. I mean, I'd be very interested to see if he ends up getting a look at right tackle. If if it, Petit Frere ends up at left tackle, um, does Raidens get a shot at right tackle? Because then it, he, to me, is your next. Like he's your most talented option over there. Um, Certainly more than Hubbard, certainly more than, uh, you know, anybody else really on the roster. And and the sad thing with Dillard is you can't flip him to the opposite side because he's like just functionally can't do it. Like he can't play on the right side. So his his options are limited. If he's I don't know if he can functionally play anyway. Um, uh, true. Okay. Very so fair. let's talk about the defense. The defensive line did what they needed to do and they took advantage of a horrible, horrible, Probably worse than the Titans' offensive line in the Bengals. So pass rush was great. They took over. It was fantastic. But I do want to talk about the defensive backs. And me and Braden on a football show were talking, and I kind of likened it to the defensive backs, and no offense to Cortland Finnegan or Michael Griffin or Jason McCording. But, you know, when they were going 13-0, right? That defensive line was a monster. Then when that defensive line kind of broke up and crumbled away, these players got exposed. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at with this team. I have faith in Roger McCreary. I have faith in Sean Murphy Bunting to at least perform at a league average level. But Christian Fulton has technically a good game by all accounts. He was pretty good. He was pretty good. Do you think that this is a momentum starter for Christian Fulton? Like, what's your faith level in Christian Fulton? It's still pretty low. I mean, I I think this game certainly helps in the fact that, like, you know, it was a tough matchup. He was obviously matched up against Jamar Chase most of the game, um, as the announcers love to remind us every time. But to be fair, Jamar Chase did say he was, like, four yards open every play. Well, And then after the fact. I will I will say that he, I think the context of that was that he feels like he's open every snap regardless of whether someone's in good coverage or not and that's the kind of receiver he is but I did think Fulton played well I I thought he um you know limited chase he didn't give up any big plays you know it could be if you want to look at it in the most charitable light for Christian Fulton you could make the argument that like all right well he had the hamstring tweak and that really screwed him up but now he's healthy again and he's playing well. So like that would be the most charitable way possible to look at it. It's possible that that's, you know, what, what it was, but I, I just think we've seen him be hurt too often to feel like, all right, well for the rest of the season, now you're getting good Christian Fulton. Like, I feel like I mean, he's going to get case. Anytime he got targeted, else. it didn't matter if he caught it or not. He was open by five yards, 4.99 yards. According to next year's stats. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I I I felt like Fulton had a pretty good game. Overall. All right. Yeah, but I mean, as far as I think we're both on the same page, had a good game. 
but not ready to put my faith in that being the norm quite yet, even though we have seen that be the norm. Yeah, he's had good stretches. Yeah, we we need to see it some more. Uh, same sure. with, um, y- you know, Amani Hooker had a pretty good game. He just mistimed it a little. Oh, my gosh. that, that yeah. He made a great play, and honestly, he Such read a great it too play. quickly. Because, yeah. like, if he's a, he's a beat late, like, reading that out later than he was, that's an easy pick. Uh, anything else on the Bengals game before we move on? Oh, uh, I think you gotta be careful about taking too much from the defensive mm-hmm. performance, to be honest, because like they did some shit in this game where it's like they knew Joe Burrow wasn't going to try to run. So they just completely ignored him as a runner. Like there was, there was, uh, some snaps where they just completely line up in, in red zone snaps too, um, where they completely lined up with the a gaps, just vacant. Um, just nobody in there daring Burrow to just, you know, take off and run up the middle, knowing that he wouldn't, um, which allowed them to get some favorable matchups for Simmons and Autry and all these guys that, you know, won those matchups and made life living hell for Joe Burrow. He, he looked like he was in hell that entire game. Um, and again, like they, what did they have them? 10 pressures, uh, total for that game somehow. Yeah. And I'm like, I felt like he took more like NFL blitz style hits than 10 uh, in that game. Like it was, it felt to me like they were in his lap every time he dropped back for, you know, anything more than a screen pass. So um, the Bengals interior offensive line is terrible. And I think teams that have bad guards and centers are going to struggle against the Titans because Jeffrey Simmons is just an animal. Um, and so is Tier Tart. Frankly, Tier Tart had a great game again. Um and continues to be a really good force inside that defense, but um, still just a two down player. This, uh, this talk of him being a third down guy from Tyrell Williams and all of them is, has not bore fruit quite yet. I don't know. He had, uh, what he, had? he had like three or no, he had four pressures in this game. Yeah. Well, I'm, that's, look, that's on first, second down. He only played since yeah. he only played, he's only played on the season. Last I checked 10 snaps on third down. Yeah, Total. that sounds about right. I mean, yeah. he does. He's not a part of that package for sure. Yeah. Um, and he should. Well, they kind of said frankly. like he would be. So I'm just kind of a little, a little wondering. Um, Travis Gibson obviously got three. Had Has three more def- <laughs> defensive snaps. And he had a pressure and strip sack on one of the on one of his three snaps. And we have talked about how good Travis Gibson is. I, I get that they have some kind of loyalty to Harold Landry, and maybe Harold Landry could be trusted to do more versatile things than Travis Gibson, but you need juice on this defense. So I'm here for more Travis Gibson, less 100%. Harold Landry. We were like that that week, so that doesn't really change. Um, okay, less, let's let Rashad Weaver too, please. Yes, I mean, like, Weaver. look, I'm not anti Weaver. I think he's fine, but he is a jag. Like he he, is... he should be the fourth guy, not yeah. the third guy. Yeah, I agree. Um, so it's Colts hate week, but I do want to give a little bit of props to Anthony Richardson. We were both big Anthony Richardson guys. We, and to me, I feel like he's exactly what we thought he was going to be. And then everybody else, I guess, had worse expectations than for Anthony Richardson. And they're all surprised that he's been an explosive playmaker, both through the air and on the ground, but he's also totally inaccurate. Now, listen, 
that was always going to be the case. And this is not a referendum on Anthony Richardson's career. This is not a referendum on what he could or can't be. We've all thought, or you and me have thought for the longest time that there is a really good chance that he could be the most talented, gifted quarterback in this draft class. And you can tell when he can flick a wrist and like it go like 50 yards in the air, like it was nothing while he's getting manhandled and it was like over his head. Those are the plays that he can do. The problem is, like his college shape says, are the plays that are routine. He can't do them. He is, he's got the worst completion percentage over expected. And it shows by far. On, by far. And yeah. it shows on tape. And but it showed on college. So to me, this is all about the X plays. This is all about containing Anthony Richardson and making him try to complete routine throws that he struggles with. What are your thoughts on Anthony Richardson so far this season? And what are your thoughts on how the Titans should plan to stop him? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. He's exactly what we thought he was going to be, which is like a breathtaking playmaker with his legs, too. I mean, like. Which I he, still want Anthony Richardson over any quarterback in this draft class. And I know I'm crazy because I know you're a big CJ Stroud guy. And you'll say, well, CJ Stroud's did this, this, that. And that's fine. C, I think for like this amazing. system. Yeah, I think for this, like if you had Anthony Richardson with Derrick Henry and all this stuff, I'm taking Derrick Henry, but I'm also taking Derrick Henry for the long term. Or sorry, the Anthony Richardson for the long term. Like I, I think he I don't I wouldn't blame anybody putting CJ Stroud number one. I think Bryce Young entered into a way horrible conversation or situation, by the way, which is a discussion for another day that I think Frank Wright got it wrong with his quarterback selection. But I feel like Anthony Richardson had the highest of highs ceilings. And I didn't think that his bust potential was that great. And I still don't. And I think, to me, it's just like, man, I wish we had Anthony Richardson. Man, I wish we could see C.J. Stroud. Like, no offense to what Will Levis could be, just sure would be a little bit better to see something that we could already, you know. It, to me, it's like, if you draft those two guys, maybe Ryan Tannehill is not even on this team. And yeah. I think I'm okay with that. Like, no, no again, no offense to Ryan Tannehill, but just kind of like I was telling Stoney the other day, I kind of wish we could look forward to watching a different quarterback that has promise. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it is an interesting question of whether would those guys be starting if if they had been drafted here? Um, would Tannehill still in the in the fold? Because I I mean, look, Tannehill, I understand his limitations. I understand a lot of people are done with him, all that stuff. He's still a pretty good NFL quarterback. Like, he's still, like, middle of the pack or better. And even with these rookies, you know, making some, like, serious flash plays, like, and I'm not taking anything away from him. Anthony Richardson has not been good. Is a body of work this year, right? Like, as a, if you're just looking at quarterback play and, like, how good is this guy at – creating points for his offense and, you know, moving the football. He's not been good. Um, now he's made some plays that you're like, oh my God, there's not anyone like there may not be anyone else on earth that can do that um, besides this guy. So that, that potential, like he keeps showing it, he keeps showing it. And that's like, what you're going to get, you know, Colts and he's fans so young, you like everybody's yeah. got to kind of understand that there's very limited experience on the field, but there's also like, 
he's like is he even 21 yet i mean that that's the other yeah. thing like that's that's the beauty of drafting someone super young and super talented instead yeah. of drafting someone old but yeah but i mean does does anthony richardson or ryan Tannehill give you a better chance to win this year i think probably ryan Tannehill to still to be honest um and you know now that's not true probably for next year or any of the years after that obviously but um, for this year, probably Tannehill and and Stroud, I think would be a little bit closer for me because um, Stroud's just been I was I was pro Stroud before. So I'm a little bit biased and and probably, uh, you know, feeding my own echo chamber here on him. But I think Stroud's been tremendous. I, um, I think there's going to be a massive like regression, like in the middle I of the thought season. That was, I thought that was coming this week. Honestly, I, I think I put it in the group chat. I was like, I, I've loved everything that CJ Stroud has done, but they are going to get destroyed by the Steelers because I was like four offensive linemen out and you know against the Steelers pass rush and all this and I was like I could not believe the result of that game I it's kind of like I I think the Cardinals and the the Texans right now are like uh they have some of the least amount the third and out uh rates in the league and I'm like seems crazy that's not gonna last like to me that is feels very much like uh a, a lie like that's yeah. gonna carry over for a while like i feel like i don't know what it is about what this i didn't watch in depth the steelers game but that doesn't make sense to me that steelers defense versus that offense does not make sense to me they should it, can't, it can't be the rookie quarterback right it just has to be some weird nfl juju going on I don't know. I, I thought Stroud looked incredible. And I I actually do buy, and I was not a Tank Dell fan um, in the draft. I think Tank Dell's the real deal. And I think Nico Collins is honestly the real deal as well. I think the I've, I've always, I was a going. big Nico Collins fan. He was one of my guys when we were doing those uh, things. I like Nico yeah. Collins. So I do too. I do too. So, I, yeah, I mean, but it's it's going to be super interesting. And honestly, like, and I'll put this out on, on uh, X uh, this week. Um, what if we look up in a few years and and Trevor Lawrence is the worst quarterback in this division? It's entirely is, in play. Kind of think he is right now. <laughs> well, he, he's not played very well this year overall. I think well, I will some say that he's he's played he's played pretty good, but there's been a lot of missed opportunities due to drops and stuff. But I will say yeah. this: he is he's having like. And everybody is quick to judge Press Taylor and like, oh, this is Press Taylor. Well, Press Taylor is just running the Doug Peterson offense. Right. Like, this is not a unique offense. This is something he's just taking over for Doug Peterson. This is just a, it's a weird start to the season. And I feel like, I don't feel like the Texans, Jaguars, or Titans are quite where they are, where where they're going to end up. And I think that, I think the AFC South and I think the NFL as a whole is going to start correcting itself in the coming weeks. And then everybody who wanted to go pat themselves on the back for CJ Stroud, much like people were patting themselves about Justin Fields on the back. And then that turned into disaster. I'm not saying CJ Stroud's going to be a disaster. I'm just saying I hold, hold on on the hype train for a little bit. Cause there's something is not right about this. Cause there's no way. There's no way that like CJ Stroud's not going to throw an interception all year. There's no way that he's not going to take a sack. And then he's got another injured offensive lineman. There's just, it's not sustainable play for the situation that he's in, not because of the talent that he is. So I think that's where I want to land on that. But let's get to Anthony Richardson. 
How do you prevent? What's the best way for this defense to attack Anthony Richardson without preventing either X plays by him on the ground or X plays by him through the air? Because that's that is the key, right? Like he barely beats Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins as a quarterback and play an explosive play rate by himself. Like if you're just measuring what the quarterback does, runs plus passes, he barely beats those guys. But he's beating them. That means, and he's only got 2.1 starts, that means he is dangerous to a degree. Yeah. But this feels like a Titans team with a coach that should have a game plan, but it's going to come down to the defense being sound in their fundamentals. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those games, and like the Lamar Jackson games, and the Titans have always had good success against Lamar as far as containing him for the most part, um, which I think it's going to be a similar game plan, not to say that they're the same player because they're not, um, but Richardson, it's going to be the same from the sense of your rush lanes have to be very intentional and very consistent. Like you can't go diving inside or you can't go running past the quarterback trying to chase a sack. Um, you have to make sure that you're compressing the cylinder, as Coach Mack loves to say, um, against him, which the Titans are set up to be able to do. They, they're able to rush that way. Um, and so you have to be able to contain him, keep him in the pocket, and then you have to confuse him on the back end. I, I think, you know, there's still... Richardson just is inexperienced, especially at this level. Um, obviously, uh, as you mentioned, only two two starts or three starts and really just two games um, as an NFL quarterback and then only started really one year at Florida. He's not – in the Titans run one of the more complex defenses in the NFL from a coverage standpoint and a blitz look standpoint. I think you have to throw the kitchen sink at him from – look standpoint and like it just try to get him mixed up try to see if he'll throw you one uh you know out of confusion i think that's the combination you got to mix up your coverage looks really disguise things well uh throw a lot at him but always with your rush plan being to box him in and keep him in the pocket that, that's it's basically Lamar jackson you know okay let me ask you this Besides Anthony Richardson, what else does this team have? Like, to me, if the Titans really want to make a statement, they need to put up like a 27 to 3 esque kind of performance. Like, you go in here, you're going up against a rookie quarterback who's horribly inaccurate. Kevin Byer needs an interception for a touchdown against him so he can continue the trifecta of getting those against Colts quarterbacks. You know he's he's got one I think against every quarterback at some point, uh, but we got it. We got to get that going. But at at some point, you got to be a team that doesn't play with with their food. So, um, AR is zero and two and Minshew's two and zero. But Anthony Richardson just won against the Rams, right? Didn't they win? They're, no, they, they lost. lost. They lost in overtime. Yeah, they lost yeah. overtime. So, well, there you go. Um. But don't you think like this is a game where if you really wanted people to believe in you and you guys need to believe in yourselves, talking about the Titans. This is a game you go out there and you say, we're going up to the Colts. 
we are going to beat the ever-living shit out of them because on their best day, they're nowhere near our best day. Like, it, the best performance the Colts could technically put up does not match what the best performance the Titans could cook up because the Titans are just, despite Andre Dillard being on this team, are the superior team in almost every facet of an NFL team you can think of. They going all the way from GM and really ownership all the way down to your 53rd player. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's accurate. I mean, it, I, I would imagine Jonathan Taylor is going to be back for this game. So that adds another, you know, good player for them um, on the offensive side. But they've got offensive line injuries. We'll see if Bernard Raymond's going to be able to make it their left tackle. Uh, Quentin Nelson, I think, was on the injury report with a toe uh, this week. So it, it's they're pretty banged up and the Titans are just better than like we've seen the Titans own them in the trenches. Uh, they have for several years now, even with this, like, you know, patchwork offensive line, I still just trust the Titans to be able to get it done in this matchup for whatever reason. Um, and look, the, no quitty pay. Cause he's in concussion protocol. Yeah. So, I mean, that helps, uh, it helps your Andre Dillard problem a good bit, which I, I mean, like, look, the Colts, strength is up front is DeForest Buckner. Um, really. I mean, that's, that's the guy that scares you and you know, the, the guard play, especially with Skaronsky in there, you know, has been good. It's I, I trust the Titans on the interior. So um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting uh, to see how it pans out. I, I don't think the Colts are going to run on the Titans just because the tit- nobody runs on the Titans. Nobody runs on the Titans. Uh, there. And historically, Jonathan Taylor has it. Yeah, teams are averaging 2.9 yards per carry against the Titans defense right now for the season. Like, that is and unreal. And listen, the Colts' rush defense is like 29th in the league. That's I haven't bad. looked at EPA, but, I mean, this Colts defense is not that good. And I don't know. It's like, and this is where we get to the dangerous world of rooting for the Tennessee Titans. The games that you think they're going to be a blowout rarely are, but maybe this is going to be a good statement game where. I caution everybody if they do come out and win 27 to three or they win by double digit points. Don't get too excited about the long term outlook for this team. Enjoy the win because fuck the Colts. But just let's kind of do what you did with the Bengals. I felt like the fan base handled the Bengals victory with a good sensibility of like. I don't know if I can really believe in this team yet. (laughs) you know so don't believe in this team after beating up on a bad Colts team so to me I feel like final prediction for this game because there's other there's other topics I want to get to real quick final topics uh, or final prediction of this game I'm gonna go uh 28 to 14 and the Titans are gonna kneel down the last minute inside uh, the Colts 20 where they could have kicked a field goal and got them fucking 30 points, but they refuse to do it. Cause they don't, they don't. Want <laughs> uh, yeah. I was going to say, well, so you, you are, you do have them breaking through that 27 point. Yeah, they're going to break through 27, 28, uh, no, just 28. Well, uh, well, prepare to be shocked. Cause I'm going to have them shattering the 27 point glass ceiling. I, I, I honestly think this is the breakout game. Uh, I think they're going to win like 35 to 14 or something like that. I, like I, think, it. I think they're going to beat up on them. I just don't think the Colts are very this good. Means Colts have the been Titans, outgained in every yeah. game this year. This means the Titans lose nine to six. <laughs> of course. Of course. 
Okay. I am, I, I think I'm just kind of like getting annoyed. I'm not really like mad or anything. I'm just kind of annoyed. For three weeks, the Miami Dolphins were the best team in the NFL. <laughs> and then they lose to the Buffalo Bills. And now the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the NFL. And everybody forgets that they said that the Miami Dolphins were the best team. They've just completely jumped ship. But what I think annoys me about this most, besides the week-to-week prisoners of the moment essence that the NFL is, the San Francisco 49ers are the best team in the NFL. What's everybody <laughs> fucking smoking? I, I do think the Niners are the most complete team in the NFL because I think they're doing it on both sides of the ball to, to a huge degree. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're only what three weeks, four weeks four. removed from uh, oh, yeah, the Bills losing to the Jets and Zach Wilson. Uh, you know, I mean, let's let's pump the brakes on like, oh, because we did this last like, year. Oh, well, Zach Wilson's back. Oh, the Jets well, look pretty man. good and and all this stuff. Okay, let's just ignore like 17 awful games of Zach Wilson and just remember that one time he almost beat. Patrick Mahomes, yeah, like yeah. he almost on. he almost kind of did okay that game. Yeah, no, it, it is super annoying because yeah, we're just, just the, the shiny object thing is is just insane. And yeah, the Dolphins were the toast of the town. They go out, they get smacked by the Bills. Like all credit to the Bills, they they destroyed Miami. Um, but look, it wouldn't surprise anybody if they turn around and play tomorrow and the Dolphins whip the Bills, right? Like mm-hmm. that wouldn't be shocking. Um, so let's, let's pump Like we don't have to put somebody in the super bowl every week. Like, I mean, the Cowboys were going to go to the super bowl after what, two weeks. Right. And then they lost to the Cardinals. So like, just, we know this, this is a week to week league. We need to see a much bigger body of, of work before we know anything about any of these teams. And Hey, guess what? The teams that are great right now probably aren't going to be the same teams as the teams that are great in January and February. So yeah, we'll see. At what point do you want to tap out and just go ahead and admit, get ahead of the story, just admit that Daniel Brunskill is better than Nate Davis? I mean, Daniel Brunskill has been good. Um, now, Dare is he better great? than Nate Davis right now? Probably, but again, like... Isn't I, he I better said, than what we... Like, this is like... I feel like what we're seeing from Brunskill is like the best of Nate Davis. And that lasted for like five or six games, I feel like. Oh, uh, no. You're selling Nate Davis way short. Nate Davis had a good run here over the last two or three years um, where he was solid. He, he was the same, I think, as what we're seeing from Brunskill. Brunskill's been better than I thought. I have no qualms with uh, uh, admitting that right now. But it's still a long season, too. I'm not, I'm not quite ready to say he's better than the last three years of Nate Davis right now okay we'll we'll see how long that lasts okay (laughs) i put out a tweet earlier today or an x whatever you want to call it said i've seen a lot of titans fans qxing this not understanding the simple words used in the sentence we really need to come together as society to help get the education system back on track in the united states feels like every child got left behind at some point and this is a tweet of mike renner sharing a run and stating by Devon Ashain, do we decide what he's what's the last name? Achan, 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 Achan. Like four chan, like four chan, four chan, but Achan, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dev Devon Achan, and this run is the closest thing I've seen to CJ two K since CJ two K. I'm gonna say that again. 
this run <laughs> is the closest thing, closest thing I've seen to CJ2K since CJ2K. Since and, CJ2K. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of people who took umbrage with my comments that this is about a lack of understanding. Uh, Canadian Titan says, I don't think it's a lack of understanding. I think fans are just butthurt at the comparison because he didn't score. Well, that shows a lack of understanding because as it is definitely a lack of understanding that this run, because this run is the closest with asterisks, all capital, all around it, thing to a CJ2K run. Not that it is a CJ2K run. Uh, Tress Wynn, who can't even spell his own name right and his pronunciation. <laughs> He says, Tyreek Hill with the ball in his hand is the closest thing that comes to mind. There's no lack of understanding when there are better examples out there. I said, not saying everyone is misunderstanding, but also you're not understanding that this is about running backs. So, like, that is a misunderstanding. So, like, to me, I see what he's talking about. I think everybody thinks it's automatically about the speed. Like, oh, well, CJ2K would have busted right through that. To me, I look at this, and I see a guy that has maintained his, got up to a quick gear, maintained that gear while breaking through tackles just like CJ2K. Like, we have seen that run by CJ2K numerous times. Now, did CJ2K score on runs like this? Absolutely. That's why this is the closest thing. This has nothing to do with miles per hour. It's miles per hour combined with power, elusiveness, and breaking tackles. And kind of like he gets into that little shrink thing like Chris Johnson did. Like he just kind of shrinks. He cuts on a dime. There's a lot of CJ2K to that. This is not a Jamal Charles run because that's what everybody wants to cling to. I guess they, someone else they thought was smarter than them must have brought up Jamal Charles and Mike Renner's thread at some point. They're like, well, I'm going to steal that. And yeah. make it into my own thing. Because I, I can guarantee you that no, nobody remembers a Jamal Charles run in the Titans fan base like they remember a CJ2K run. Right. But to me, this that's what it is. And I don't understand why people take... It's, it's because people do not understand is why they are mad. And that's ultimately what everything is. It's a compliment to CJ2K. <laughs> he's, he's saying that like this is how rare CJ2K is, that we haven't seen anything like him in 15 years um and that this is the closest thing not that this is the same as or better than it is the closest thing um to cg cj2k which it is i mean like he's hn's doing things that are super special right now like the, the guy is averaging 11.4 yards per carry like he's some sort of high school five-star recruit like this is video game shit that he's doing right now it's incredible now, I it, he's not going to average 11.4 yards per attempt for his entire career. Um, but it's okay to admit that a guy is is doing some pretty special things when he's doing some pretty special things. We don't have to be so tribal in uh, defending CJ2K's honor um, that we can't even allow someone to be mentioned in the same tweet as him, uh, especially when the guy's going off. I mean, come on. Let, let's be realistic here. It's ridiculous. I couldn't believe anyone was mad about that tweet. Like, that's harmless. Like, it's a compliment. Uh, Xander Mercury Adam on Twitter, he, he, he quote tweets it, or quote X's it. He puts, you've clearly never watched CG, CJ2K play. And he goes, so who's closer? 
to CJ2K. Mike Renner does. He comes in and replies to it. And he goes, no one. CJ2K was a one-of-a-kind talent. He would have been 15 yards away from the nearest defender once he hit that hole. Mike Renner goes, so you're saying that I was right then. And I liked it. And it's got 53 likes. <laughs> because that's the boy. That is what he is saying. And uh, I wish I had bookmarked it. But, like, if you look at a graph of the running backs and their stats, you know how everybody's now doing the running or the oh, yeah. graphs, right? Yeah. yeah we're, all, EPA, we're all back yards, in middle school. Yeah. Whether it's EPA or yards after or yards before uh, contact or yards after contact, whatever. We need more pie charts, really, yeah. is what we need. I'm with you. We're, I'll, I'll work on that for you. Um, <laughs> but anyway, everybody's got the, the scatter plot or whatever. It's all the running backs, like kind of in the middle, spread out over the x axis. And then there's Devon, who is like way up in the top right of every graph. Again, this is not saying that he is CJ2K, but do not discount that what you are seeing is probably the closest thing in this off in the Miami Dolphins offense to CJ2K. Because let's not forget Raheem Mostert, who is essentially I'm not saying he's as fast as CJ2K, but he's probably the fastest. If we're talking out the fastest running back since CJ2K, Raheem Mostert, you go back and look. He has many, many miles per hour uh, records. Like he yeah. had two one year. He had the top two one year. He's in the top he's five. Probably the straight up fastest. Yeah, straight CJ, up fast. I would say. Yeah. Devon is 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 going to be that, but he's still probably a mile per hour slower than the fastest that Chris Johnson ran on the football field. And he, he may be that the whole time, but that's why he's the closest to it. The closest yeah. to it. Yeah. It, and he's it, ridiculously fast. I mean, yeah. it, it's, uh, and he maintains his speed, which is what CJ2K did. What some people do is they lose their speed on cuts. They lose their speed, breaking a tackle. CJ2K never lost his speed. It always was there. And yeah, Devon and is that, that same way. Ability to, to, as soon as he got to the second level, he hit that next gear and it was just like lights out, gone. You know, there's just no angle that you could possibly have that was going to give you a chance. And I think right. Achan's close to that. He's like, like you said, or like uh, Renner said, close, close, not the same, not yeah. as good, close. NPF Peter Skaronsky practicing on the left. Yeah. And in what looked to be Dylan Radens and Andre Dillard practicing on the right in the drills no. that were shared. I thought they were on the left. I'm pretty sure Radens and Dillard were on the left. Were they yeah. on the left too? Yeah. It looked like yeah. they were on the right at one point. Maybe so I think maybe I think, I think was... that was a first team and a second team group. But now, now the question is which is which to me. Well, everybody kind of went crazy that was at practice of over the fact that NPF was on the left side. Like everybody talked about that was there. They shared the clips, all that kind of stuff. Again, we don't know if it's first or second. Nobody's came straight out and said it. Uh, you work for a guy that could probably tell you if you would have texted him. You I could did. Have had that. Uh, what'd he I say? Did. He didn't know. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Worthless. Worthless. <laughs> These press passes. Um, but I brought up September 19th on Robbie and Rex Road. You can go look it up on YouTube. I brought up the possibility of NPF, and I brought up the possibility of NPF working on the left side a couple of times. I don't know what to expect of it, 
but an upgrade is an upgrade is my philosophy for this offensive line. If he's an upgrade for Andre Dillard, then he's an upgrade for Andre Dillard. But I do find it interesting that the first day is back and it's him and Peter Skaronsky practicing beside each other. Not reading too much into it. But we had talked about earlier that Chris Hubbard, while we don't think he's played as good as what people like to say he has, he has played well enough. And we hate Andre Dillard. <laughs> yes. much. So <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? Do you read too much into it? Is it just like kind of like a note you file away? Is it something you want to happen or you're willing for them to try? Like, what are your overall thoughts on this? I mean, I, I want them to try um, anything. I, I am in favor of them trying anything. And and I went on the record a couple of weeks ago stating that my first preference would be Skaronsky at left tackle, Raiden's at left guard, and then NPF at right tackle. Yeah, I stand by that. I I still think that's probably the combination that like gives me the most ability to like feel comfortable with a drop back pass from this offense, right? Um, but Petitfer could succeed at left tackle. Like he played at like an all conference level at left tackle for Ohio State. Um, now he, I think he was better at right tackle. Just watching the film of him at Ohio State, his junior year where he played at right tackle versus his senior year where he played at left tackle. Thought his junior year tape was better on the right side than he was on the left side. So I, I think there's some question as to whether like will he be better over there? I don't know. I, I mean it it could it could be that he's better over there. I just because he was better one season on one side and then he was the other season, then doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be always the case, but it's certainly worth trying. As I mentioned earlier, like he's talented enough to do it. Uh, I believe, I believe in that. I think he's got the size, strength, speed, um, you know, ability to do it. So certainly happy for them to try. Now, the, the interesting thing to me is like, because we had some disagreement in our, our group chat about what what those combinations meant. And to me, like, it's that Nicholas Petit-Ferrer was the first team left tackle. I, to me, because like, Skaronsky practiced in full today. He's going to play this week, right? Like, the, if he's practicing in full on Wednesday, can't imagine he's not playing in this game, which is a crucial game on Sunday. So... If Skaronsky's playing, he's starting. He should be getting the reps with the ones. Raiden should be with the twos. So to me, that means MPF was working with the ones at left tackle, which would be a super interesting development. Um, you know, and I, I know like reporters are and, and, you know, on what they're allowed to share yeah, from practice. And, and let me say something. Vrabel, what didn't seem like too eager to declare NPF getting his job over Chris Hubbard. Now, I don't think that like that's a big thing or a big takeaway from a variable press conference. You kind of have to like, kind of have to like take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. But then you add this development in and it's like, uh, that's a little another piece of the puzzle right there. Yeah. It's, I think it's an important development. Cause I, I think it's, it's, as I said today, I think it's a, at the very least a shot across the ballot, Andre Dillard that, Hey, you're on thin ice. We will sit your ass down if this continues. Um, and we're getting a guy ready to come in and, and who's talented enough to come in and take your job. Um, 
So yeah, I, there's, I don't think there's any question that the contract is, is going to keep him in the starting lineup. That's just not going to happen. I don't see any way that Vrabel is going to keep him in the lineup just because he's on this big contract. Like, no, there's, that's not going to happen. Not when he's been as bad as he's been. And, and Petit Frere was a third round pick. It's not like he's, uh, you know, cast off himself anyways from a value invested standpoint. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's at the very least an acknowledgement that Dillard is on thin ice. Yeah. If he's got any ice left at all, he might he might already be through the ice freezing his ass off in uh in the freezing water. Well, it's global warming, so it's probably a little warm. Uh, that will sure. do it for us. Football and other efforts <laughs> uh after dark. Thanks for everybody that joined with us. It's it's getting late. Hour and twenty minutes for those who are on the East Coast. It's about to be midnight for us here on in God's time, Central Standard Time. It's about to be eleven <laughs> PM. So we appreciate everybody hanging out. It's been fun. I always like it. I feel like we're a little bit more loose on uh, these shows. Paulkarski.com is where you can read Mike talk about all the ways that everybody was wrong the first three weeks uh, about the Tennessee Titans and their tight end situation who had a spectacular game, pretty much almost all of them in some way or another. Triple stack pancake day for Trevon Wesco. Love it. Love a triple stack pancake from Trevon Wesco who has been uh, demeaned by a bunch of people and doubted by a bunch of people. And he proved the doubters wrong. Uh, stacking the inbox.com. We have all kinds of stuff talking about this week. We have the O-line dilemma where we were talking about the reinforcements coming back with NPF, um, NPF, Peter Skaronsky, possibly Traylon Burks. Oh, though not this week, Kyle Phillips. We talked about all of that. Uh, got film rooms, all that kind of stuff. Stacking the inbox.com. 440 Sports and our sponsors, Bluegrass Beverages, uh, Hendersonville, Tennessee, been around for 50 years. Go out to Bluegrass Beverages, get you some beer, get you some wine, get you some liquor, get it all. Just don't drink it and then go drive. Make sure you just drink it at home. Bluegrass Beverages, Hendersonville, Tennessee, 555 East Main Street. Uh, Sister Store, if you're in Nashville, Thinkers. And it's just as nice and it's just as fancy as Bluegrass Beverages. But this has been Football and Other F-Words after dark and you have just been oh, effed round. Wow.